Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. Pray that our hearts are changed. Amen. Pray that our hearts look to you, Word. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now we pick up your person. Amen. Pick up your persona. Amen. Pick up your thoughts. Amen. Pick up your thinking. Amen. Pick up your possibilities. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We submit ourselves under the hand of the Lord. And we resist the devil. And he flees from us. Because we're in faith. All praise the name Father, everyone is lifted, everyone is blessed, everyone is edified. And everyone is encouraged by the power of your spoken word. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we celebrate Jesus? Till 
now till November. He's such a good God. He's such a good God. A good God. And so, you see, I expect that many times in our lives, we, we just have praise breaks. A lot of times it happens to me on the bike. I don't know why it's on, on the bike I get to have that inspiration. I'm on the bike and I just scream. I, I hope I don't cause myself something sometimes because I can imagine the bike one is like, what's going on with you? You know, but I, I just get excited sometimes. You know, because I feel the breeze and I'm just, you know, in awe of God's glory and, and His grace.
Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to have a very fasting time this morning and subsequent Sundays. And I really look forward to some interesting revelation in your experience in this house. All right. Hebrews chapter 12, from verse 1. The Bible says that, wherefore, <clears throat> the one project that, seeing that we are so compassed out with so many flower witness, let us therefore lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset. Very important. He says, wherefore, seeing that we are compassed around with so many flower witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset, and let us run with patience the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, alright, because then we come there, that means it's not done. Verse 2 now says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of God, a fractured hand of the truth of God, amen. amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. So let me zoom in on verse 1 and verse 2, because this last part of verse 2 is, is another so so But let's just go to that very first verse. It says, Therefore, seeing there were so compassed and so great power of weakness, let us therefore lay aside every weight. And the same that God so easily besets, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. And so the faith message is not a message that you you use or you go listen to every time you're about to pick up a tool in your spiritual arsenal to get a movement. Alright, it is not uh, a tool in your arsenal tool, uh, in your Christian arsenal or your Christian toolbox that you just pick up every now and then. You need a card, you need a faith message to ignite that understanding of confession so that you can confess the word of God and then get that which you need. Faith is not a tool for a believer. Faith is not a tool for a believer. Else you know, you see relate to the faith message as if it were a tool that you reach out to get. Alright? Uh, but, but that's not the intended um, scope for which faith is to serve in your life. Faith is what we live by. Faith is what we live by. If you do not understand faith, it means you do not understand what you are living by. You do not understand how to live. That's what it means. And so faith is a very fundamental message in the Christian experience. Hebrews chapter uh, 10, verse 38. It says, the, 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 the just shall live by faith. Galatians chapter 3, verse 11, it says, The just shall live by faith. Romans 1 17, it says, The just shall live by faith. How about chapter 2, verse 4, it says, The just shall live by faith. And so, if you are living and you're not living by faith, it means in your Christian experience, the monitor in heaven does not see life because you're not living by faith. You're just living, but you're not living by faith. Therefore, you're not really living the Christian kind of life. Praise God. Amen. And so, it is impossible to live by faith without understanding these things that I'm about to share with you this morning. So he says, listen, the first thing you need to understand is that there is a weight to be laid aside, and there is a sin to be vanquished in your life. He says, you must lay aside every weight, and the sin which God so easily besets, and that's the character of that particular sin. It's not every sin, all right? It's that particular sin. It has this tendency to just latch on you without even knowing. It has this tendency to just creep in on you without you observing it straight because it does so easily beset. And how do we recognize this sin? It is by what it does in hindering verse 2. Right? It says, listen, lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. 
that the same is connected to hindering you from looking at Jesus. Because how we lay aside every weight and the same which Dr. Wilson said, so we can run the race set before us, is by looking onto Jesus and what? The finisher of our faith. So therefore, the sin is connected to the hindrance that limits you from looking unto Jesus. Because there is a race to run. There is a fight to fight. There is a course to finish. And there is eternal life to lay hold on. Amen. Amen. Bible says fight to fight the faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Praise God. Fight to fight the faith. First Timothy, I believe, six verse twelve. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life because there is a fight to fight, and it's a fight of faith. Second Timothy chapter four verse seven also talks about how that I have fought the good fight. You see, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. Talking about a race, there is a race set before you. He says, I have finished the course, and he says, I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. Because you see, faith is not something to just hold on to when you need something. Faith is a way to live. Yeah. It is not something to wield when you need. It is something to live by. Because if you do not live in that faith lane, you are not living at all. Because it says, this, this is something I live my life by. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. And he says, I have kept the faith. And so this is the race set before us. Verse 1, Hebrews chapter 12. He says, lay aside every weight and the sin that are toys easily set, uh, so that we can run the race with patience. The race that is set. It's a race that is not flexible. It's a set race. You see that? It's a set race. It's a, it's a race that every patriarch in heaven, the Bible talks about how that they are part of the, the cloud of witnesses. Hebrews 11 talks about them. He says, they are looking up to you and hoping that you will not blow it. Because they didn't have the chance to give it. Mm -hmm. let, me, let, me, let, me, let me give you that understanding. They didn't have the chance. That's why the last verse in Hebrews 11 talks about how that their testimony could not be complete without your own report. There is something they are looking for for you to get that they never got. They didn't have the chance to get it. And I'll explain in subsequent narratives. They didn't have the chance. And so they are saying, we hope you get it this time. Because the Christian race is not a difficult race to run. It's an impossible race to run. That is why we cannot run it without looking unto Jesus. He is the only one that has ever been able to successfully run the race. There is no other person living, born of woman, that has run the race successfully, apart from him, Jesus. That is why the sin is self and pride. The sin, that weight that you must get rid of, is self and pride. Because those are the things that will hinder you from looking unto Jesus. He says there is a weight to drop and there is a sin to vanquish in your life so that you can effectively look unto Jesus. Because listen, the flesh and pride around you will be telling you that no, it's no big deal. You can, you can believe into this thing. You can work yourself into it. You can confess into it. You know that is not the pattern in the kingdom. In the kingdom of God's grace, boasting is excluded. Yeah. That is, there is no such thing as boasting. Everything you receive in Christ Jesus must be a function of a receipt by grace. You must be given by grace. And you receive it by faith. And that's why the most dominant activity for a believer is thanksgiving. You cannot afford to leave that space called thanksgiving. Because everything you have, you receive. And what do you do to give? You give thanks. Because you didn't work for it. And so he says, verse 2, looking unto Jesus... 
The author and the finisher of our faith. Because the reason why you will not be able to look up to Jesus is because of that weight and that sin that not so easily. There is just something about that sin of pride that just, it just creeps in on you without you even knowing. And it hinders your faith walk. Because it begins to paint you as the one and not him alone. It has to be him alone. It has to be him alone for it to be faith. Faith is not a tool to be wielded. It is a thing to live by. It is a life to live. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. I wonder what that suggests. Is everything in between. So that means he's not just the author and the finisher. He's the sustainer of it. He's the author, the sustainer, and the finisher of your faith walk. That means you don't have any faith that you didn't receive from him. Because, you see, like I said, the Christian life is not a difficult life to live. It's an impossible life to live. Only Christ could have lived it. So the only way to live it is to live it by Christ, by the faith of Christ. Galatians 2, verse 20. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith, not from him, but by the faith of him. Not the faith from him, but the faith of him. That is, the faith that I will say that I live by is not my faith. It is the faith of the Son of God who loved me. Sometimes I'm not able to move past that part. He says, he loved me. He, he loved me. Who loved me? Who? And then that love provoked something. He didn't give of himself. Praise God. He didn't say, who loved me and gave of himself? Hmm. That would have been nice, you know. That I love you, I give of my substance. I love you, I have two billion in my pocket. I give you a million dollars. I love you, don't I? But you see, he didn't give off himself. Because if I give you of myself, I still have myself to myself. But I just gave you off myself. God didn't give you off himself. He gave you himself. He didn't give you of himself. He says, you love me and gave himself. He didn't give off himself. He gave himself. Ha! Do you understand what that means? And so, every complaint is a function of lack of knowledge. Every complaint in a believer's life, you don't understand what has been given to you. He didn't give you of himself. He gave himself. Wow. It would have been nice enough if he gave you of himself. Because God has amazing things. He will give you of his righteousness, of his joy, of his grace, of his peace. That would have been awesome enough. But he didn't give you of himself. He gave you himself. Wow. He says, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of. It's the same faith of Jesus. The faith of the Son of God. The faith of the Son of God who loved me and he proved that love he had. Didn't let him sit in heaven and just look aloof in my sin state and just oh I don't want to No! He came down and gave himself for me. Gave himself for me. And that's the faith. It's the faith we must live by. It's not a faith that we own. It's a faith that is derived. It's a derived faith. That's the first thing you need to understand about this faith Bible we're talking about. It is not a faith you own. It's not a faith you have propriety over. It's not a faith that I'm using my faith. I'm using my faith to get a car. Why? You got no faith. Because faith in itself needs a subject to be meaningful. You can't have faith. Faith in what? Faith of what? You can just say, I have faith. What is faith without something to believe in? Right? You don't own faith. Faith is a derived element of your Christian experience. And so you receive it of him. 
The Spirit of the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. And so the, the, the title of our teaching this morning is Feet Fan. I'll explore what it means. Feet Fan. You may like to write that down because many of us don't like to write what we don't understand. <laughs> Let me understand first before I begin to write. Well, you cannot write it down, okay? Feet Fan. Because the Bible says, laying aside every weight and the sin the dog so easily beset. And running with patience the race set before you. Can you run without being feet? <laughs> you can't. You can't run without being feet. You can't. You have to be feet. I mean, a lot of us are not feet. <laughs> We're not feet. So much weight around. So much weight and sin. And the thing about this sin is that it's not very easily perceptible. It easily besets. It's not easily perceptible. You cannot see it and then you say, ah, that's pride over there. Let me avoid pride. No, you don't even know when it creeps in. Many times it's the most proud that recognize pride in people. Think about that. Think about that. That guy is proud. He's just proud. The bulk of that pride. You are smelling yourself with somebody else. Right? And so he says, you must lay aside every weight and the same which dots so easily beset. Because what this sin does is to hinder you from looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So you've got to be fit. So in science, what's the heaviest metal? And here is lead. Right? That means, that means if I want to carry a lead material, right? It's going to take a lot of work because it's heavy. It's heavy. It's heavy. In the realm of spirit, Pride and self Even God cannot lift you. Don't laugh about to think about it. In the realm of the spirit, when God sees pride in a man, he can't use him. It's too heavy. And guess what? Because God has preeminence. Once you get into that pride state, he cannot lift you. You now become a subject of resistance. So he now has to resist you because you're proud. He cannot carry you, so he, he resists you. <laughs> he pushes you off the mark. Because he alone has to have preeminence. You cannot be on the same lane and then say, uh, it's me and God. No. It's either only him or only him. It can't be you and him or a bit of you, a little of him. No. So, the way lead is, I like you to think about it in this context. The way lead is in physical properties and all of that, that's the way pride is in the realm of the spirit. And so every time God sees pride and self in someone, that person cannot in essence be in faith. <clears throat> Many of us have not seen humility in this regard. Humility is not a gift. And it's not a show of, you know, subservience to people and all of that. That's that not necessarily humility. Humility is a strategy. It's a strategy to walk in faith. You cannot walk in faith without humility. It's impossible. So because he says, if you do not lay aside this weight and the sin which does so easily beset, you will not look unto Jesus. You look unto yourself. Three categories of people who made this mistake, I will show you in scriptures, and then we'll check through the narratives of their experiences and see how they limited and hindered God because of this element, this weight. And so this weight and this sin is not something to cast off once and they say, ah, I've cast off pride forever. No! You continue to cast it off by continuing to look. That's why they say, haven't looked unto Jesus. He says, look in. Yeah. 
Because once you take your mind off him, you get into that pride. You get into that selfish roller coaster again. Praise God. Hallelujah. So wherefore sin we also are compassed about with so great a power of witness, like I said, the guys in Hebrews 11 had no chance to read the scripture. And that's why they are hoping and hoping and praying that we do not miss it. Because they had they didn't have the chance to live the Christian life. They didn't have the chance to live the Christian life. They didn't have the chance. They didn't have the chance. Because they just kept coming short. We alone are the possible generation of people to have the chance to live the way Christ lived. They are the only ones with the potential and the possibility. They can't. And that's why they are hoping we make it so that their own testimony can be perfected. Because what they looked onto, we look back to. The redemption they looked forward to, we look back to receive strength from it and walk the walk. Yeah. Right? And so, the Christian life, like I said, is not a difficult experience. It's not a difficult life to live. It's an impossible life to live. Because only Jesus could have lived it. And that's why when he comes into your life, he takes over. Because you can't live it either. He expects you to live by faith. Faith is not a tool to wield it for a need. It's a life to live. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the laws of sin and death. In that what the law could not do because it was weak in the flesh, God sent his only begotten son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, so that the righteousness of the law can be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they who are of the flesh, or they who are of the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, and they that are of the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. For a carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. So then, so I'm going. So then, they are of the flesh cannot please God. Does that remind you of Hebrews 11, verse 6? For without faith, it is impossible to please God. You see? They that are in flesh cannot please God. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. So that means they that are in flesh are not in faith. Yeah. Mm. Because they that are in flesh cannot please God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so how do I please God by faith? So that means I cannot be in faith and be in the flesh. Yeah. I cannot be in faith and be in self. I cannot be in faith and be in prayer. I cannot be. You see, they that are in the flesh cannot. It is an impossible reality in the flesh. You cannot be in the flesh and please God. Because you can only please God by faith. Mm. So then they die in the flesh and not these Well, you are not of the flesh. Praise God. But of the Spirit of God. He so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead. Because of sin. And the Spirit is alive. Because of righteousness. And in the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He that raised up Christ. I like the fact that he uses also. Because he's done it before. <laughs> he shall also quicken your mortal bodies. So therefore, brethren, we are debtors. Not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, even though you're a Christian, if you live after the flesh, it's a possibility. That's why it's a proof. If you live after the flesh, and that's 
speaks to the hyperbolic dimension. If you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you, through the spirit, mortify the deeds of the flesh, he says, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Holy Spirit, they are the sons of God. That means many times the scripture is quoted, it is quoted out of context. Many times we quote that scripture when we want to get married. <laughs> is he the one? Or the one for another? As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Lord, I know what to do. I know where to live. I know how to do what to do. I know. And you begin to, you begin to confess the scripture. That is not the context in which Romans 8 14 was written. It was not written in the context of, oh, Paul is about to go to Athens. And he has his, his betwixt two opinions. Do I go to Athens or Macedonia? And now he begins to pray, Lord, as many as are led by the Holy Ghost, they are the sons of God. Oh, I'm led by the Holy Ghost. Oh, it is Athens. I'm led. No, that's not the context. Look at this. That's not the context. That's not the context. He says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not of the flesh to live after it, but of the spirit. Right? Because if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the spirit mortify the deeds of the flesh, you shall live. For as many as are led. That means the primary function of the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life is consecration to please God. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's the consecration to live by faith. And you see, listen, this is the pain. This is the crux of the whole matter of how to be led by the Holy Spirit in other areas. This is the foundation of it. Mm -hmm. If you don't get this right, you will always be coming to God as a babalao. Listen to this. And a lot of times you come to God as a babalao. God, I want to marry you. What do I do? Confession. Three times you do. Lord, I believe I'm confessing. Okay, what else do I need to pray? And then you consult him only on need basis. Because that is the only function of the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life. It is for things that you need. You need to get a mate. I need to know between Shade, Tokwe, and Moji. Uh, so you 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 now go to him for that, or you want to stay in three locations? Why are you not saying? Why is Abuja Lagos? Why? 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 Anyway, so you go to Abuja You have already chosen the options. I said, don't think. You are not saying God leave me. Why do I stay? Because you are scared of what God may say. So you say, God, I want these three options. Why do I stay? And you are saying, as many as I live, confessing that scripture for your own selfish. And you expect to be dead. Because that's in the context in which Romans 8 14 was written. It was not written to help you navigate in your mundane desires. No. It was to help you live by faith. To help you live by faith. As many as are led by the Holy Ghost, they are the sons of God. For, the, for we do not have the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption. Where God will cry out the Father. Wow. Oh boy. And the spirit itself bears the touch of that spirit. That we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Oh, I like the fact that he says, if children, then heirs, because they are not the same thing. For an heir, as long as a child, is not different from a slave. Even though he's Lord of all. So it's put under two different governments. That's Galatians 4. But here he's saying that. We are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs of Christ Jesus. He says, if we suffer together with him, we don't, we don't also forgive him. Well, there's a lot to share in that dimension, but let's focus on Romans chapter 8, verse 14. As many as are led by the Holy Spirit, they are the sons of God, the children of God. And so, like we said, in Hebrews chapter 12, 
if you do not lay aside that weight and that sin, you're not likely going to be able to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Three categories of people who fell into this error. The first category of people are the Jews. Someone say the Jews. The Jews. I like calling that name. It's very tush. The Jews. Praise God. Are you a Jew? I'm a Jew. Praise God. J E W. Such a tush clan of people. Such a tush tribe. The Jews. Romans chapter ten, verse one. The Bible says there. He says. My earnest desire and prayer for my people Israel is that they may be saved. Uh, the Jews? The Jews are saved. The Jews have Abraham as their father. How could you say that they are not saved? Well, Paul prayed. He could have been praying earnestly for people that were saved to be saved. They were not saved. And a lot of them are still not saved. Why? Because he says, I give them record that they are zealous. Pastor, 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 please taught me that. They're not zealous, they're zealous. Amen. You see, I did not record that they are zealous, right? But you see, their zeal is not according to knowledge. Right? The next verse. It says, For they be ignorant of the righteousness of God, go about trying to establish their own, their own selfish righteousness. Have not submitted. Ah, you see why it is impossible to live by faith without submission? Without humility. You, you see why? Because it says they have not submitted because humility will require submission. Because that's the only way to live by faith. <coughs> your journey of faith is your journey into submissions. Do you see that? Because they were not willing. To submit themselves unto the righteousness of God. They try to establish their own righteousness. And Christ is the end of the law unto everyone that believes. He's the end of the law. So why are you trying to establish? And if you want to establish your righteousness, you're going to be judged by your own standards of righteousness. Because until your righteousness supersedes that of the Pharisee, there is no way you're entering the kingdom of God. And only Christ's righteousness exceeded. Oh, you don't want to try the Pharisee. We don't want to try it. We don't want to try it. Only Christ's great righteousness exceeded the righteousness of the Pharisees. And that's why Christ is not expecting you to develop your own model of righteousness. You enter into his by faith. By faith. You live by faith. It's such a liberating fruit. That I'm not trying to live my life by my faith. I'm living the life of Christ by his faith. <laughs> Praise God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. That believes. That believes by faith. So the Jews never walked by faith. They didn't. They didn't have the capacity to walk by faith because of the weight they carried and the sin that beset them. They couldn't look unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of any kind of faith that is Bible to eternity. Any other kind of faith is not Bible. It's not Bible. It doesn't last beyond this realm. But the kind of faith that Brother Tito mentioned this morning, that he gets to heaven and he's trying to, you know, he's trying to 
split and write his name so, so that at least one of them will show in the book of life in case he's still on the road or he's still on the road. Yeah, he's not Injustice to that. But you know, he was trying to just permutate his name by perhaps. Maybe that's the one that entered. But he says, Well, is Jesus there? At all. I come in on the basis of his finished works. But yourself will not allow you to accept the finished work. You mean I will not have anything to contribute to this thing? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say, uh, how can you say I will not contribute anything? Ah, it's your grace. But I get to a little bit of my works. No, it nullifies the grace. It makes the grace of no effect. It just, grace has to be all inclusive for it to be grace at all. You don't combine it with works and expect it to remain grace. No, it doesn't work like that. You receive it. Fool those. Oh, I'm helpless. You will look at help. Oh, I'm strengthless. You will look at strength. You see, because it says, why were you yet without strength? That is when it kicks into force. Why were you yet without strength? Because if you had strength, you would struggle with them. And you won't be able to save you. Go ask lifesavers. If you're drowning, they, they, they let you soak it in. Just soak it in, taking all the water until you are not able to struggle again. And then they will save you. Because while you are still breathing and you still think that once you see them you drag them to, you, to your level and both of you drown together because you're struggling for life until you get to a point where you're completely without movement then they'll pick you up and say yeah now you are available for <laughs> you cannot be saved until you get to that point where you can no longer move you can no longer struggle but that's what a lot of us do we want to combine our struggles with God's grace he won't let you he'll let you finish because he can't save you that way because while they ought to submit to the righteousness of God, they went about trying to establish their own righteousness, which is of the law. Which is of the law. How many of them do you want to really fulfill to be able to get into righteousness? Over 200 ceremonial laws. How? Where do you want to start from? Praise the name of the Lord. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of it. And that's, and you see, the, the, the most. The harshest dimension of Paul, you see in scripture, was in attack to this kind of mindset. That you think you want to start something in the spirit and then perfect it in the flesh. Are you that foolish? Oh, you foolish foundation. I like the way the Yoruba Bible puts it. <laughs> Amen. And you like new. I How do you expect to begin something in the in the spirit? And then perfect it in the flesh. Faith requires submission. You need to write that down. You see, your journey of faith, thank you, sir, is your journey into submissions. Sorry. So the Jews got it wrong. They couldn't believe it. The weight was too heavy. They were not fit. They couldn't run the race. Because only people can run the race. They've got to shed some weights. They've got to shed some, some heavy weights that they've been carrying all, their, all these years of their life. They have to shed it. And that sin that so easily beset and creeping on them, they, they need to vanquish it. And so they can pick up that race and run. How do they run that race? Looking unto Jesus, the author, the sustainer, and the finisher of our faith. So the Jews couldn't get it to rest. They could not enter into that which God ordained for them to enter into by faith because they struggled with it. 
The Bible says it is ignorance. Even though you have zeal, but you're ignorant. Being ignorant of the righteousness of God went about trying to establish their own righteousness. And they have not submitted to righteousness. And you see, I'll let, I'll let you understand how faith is impossible without submission. Let's go to James chapter 4, verse 7. Praise God. Um, Are you learning something this morning? James chapter 4, verse 7. So it says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. But you see, this is a summarized version. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. You see the amplifier of this verse. In 1 Peter chapter 5. Oh, bless you, God. From verse 6, 7, thereabouts. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you, that he may lift you. Because humility is what brings light. If you are not light, you cannot be lifted. So, pride is like lead, remember. Humility is like feathers. Right? It's like feathers. Girls. And so once he sees humility, oh, he just lifts you. He exalts you because you are willing and able to believe. But for someone who is proud and self-driven and self-absorbed, he cannot look unto Jesus for lifting. Because he's heavy. He, he has weights that he has not shared. He has sinned. He has not vanquished. And therefore he cannot look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of his faith. And so the only option for God to have with him is to fight him, is to resist him. Because only God must have free. And so he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. Other versions say that he may lift you. I like that lift. He lifts. Because you have to be light for him to lift you. He lifts you. Next verse. Casting all your cares upon him. You see why worry is a function of pride? Huh? And selfishness? He said, I'm not only concerned. I'm not concerned. You are looking unto yourself for your own safety. Mm. You are looking unto yourself for his safety. Mm. You are looking unto yourself for our safety. So you are only concerned. No, you are not concerned. You are not looking unto Jesus. You are looking unto yourself. Mm. It's not humility. Casting all your care. That, that is one very profound expression of humility. Casting all your care. Be carefree. Praise God. Be carefree. We are too serious in this life. A lot of us are very serious. We are just very serious. So no. The next year, we have to okay, calm down. Be carefree. Be carefree. Amen. Be carefree. Cast off. Don't leave a little bit on yourself. Cast off of your cares upon him. For he careth. We both cannot be caring for you. I can do the caring. You do the letting go of your cares. I'll do the caring. It's like carrying load. And then you're giving it to me. But I say, give me a little. How exactly... Are we helping one another? You give me everything so that I can care for you. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you. And that yoke is humility. Yeah. Learn of me for I'm meek. That's how you learn from him. He's meek and lowly in heart. See, that's the first thing to learn of Jesus. Praise God. Wow! Casting all your care of him, for he cares for you. Verse 8. 
Be sober. Remember the last James 4. He says, Submit yourself under the hand of God. Resist the devil. Be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom may devour. Whom ye resist. Steadfast. In faith. So it means if you are not submitted, you cannot resist. And if you're not submitted, you cannot walk in faith. And if you're not submitted, you're walking in the flesh. And the devil will have a major feast over your life. So he says, resist steadfast in faith. That's the only way to resist it. That's the only way not to walk in the flesh. That's the only way not to. That's your only chance at living. It's by faith. You have to resist them steadfast in faith. But what must precede that resisting is submission. Humility. Ceasing to see yourself in the picture and seeing only him. Only him. Only him. Wow. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm preaching better than you are in it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing a lot of room. Walking in faith. 
You cannot resist the devil by just trying to be spiritualized. You have to be spiritual. And to be spiritual is bad. It's just walking by faith. We are going to go into all the dimensions of this faith world, or this faith teaching, in subsequent series. But I'll show you the two other categories of people. They are institutions, they are personalities, they are people. What do you see? Or they are personalities, let me use that word. What do you see? They, they, they are institutions in scripture. They are one person, but institutions in scripture. You know, there are people like that in scripture. One person, but it's an institution. Yeah. <laughs> ah! Institution. Praise God. You see, two of them fell short of this faith message. They fell short. And they came to learn it. And I'll show you. One of them is Moses. Moses. Do you know Moses is an institution? Yes. Moses is not Moses. Ah. Moses is five books of the scripture. Moses is called the law. That's his signature of spirit, the law. You see Moses is the law. Right? That's the law. That's Moses. Or you see Elijah, you see the prophets. That's his signature in the spirit. The law and the prophets. Moses and Elijah. And these people are the Torah combined. Genesis, <laughs> Moses and Elijah, that's the Torah. But they fell short. And that's why everybody in Hebrews 11 fell short. Because they are, they are fathers, the elders, Moses and Elijah, they fell short. So Moses started his journey in Christ. First 40 years, he was being groomed as the next Pharaoh, and so he was, was, was proud. And he thought he was going to deliver the children of Israel through his own selfish you know, thinking and strategies because he now had everything. He had social power, he had political prowess, he had mental strength and all of that. So he said, ah, I have everything I need to know. Let me go and deliver my people. He said, Bible says, he thought that the people will recognize that he's the one. And that is the way it's no, no, no. He didn't submit himself to God's strategy, to God's own righteousness, right? And so he went about trying to establish his own righteousness through his own works. And so he didn't get it done. So God taught him in 40 years, in the battle of the desert, how to be humble. So that by the next time God was calling him, I can't talk. <laughs> 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 he had learned humility by the things he suffered in the battle of the desert. So when God called him, he became humble and was meek. So much that the number of people have ever called him the meekest man upon the earth. Meek, like big milk. Meek to the core. Amen. So meek. And so the Bible talks about how that, of course, by the end of 780, he had grown in stature because he was now mature. So how you build in the spirit is by coming this way. Praise So a lot of people that exalt themselves, they are being resisted to build in the spirit. They are not mature. But he who submits himself will be exalted. He who loves his life will lose it. But if he loses it, fine. It's a paradox of scripture. So uh, Moses eventually learned some bits about humility and then he came to Jesus unto God rather, and then God commissioned him and said, Okay, you know what? Now it is none of you, but all of me. Remember the same Moses said, If you do not go with us, oh, we will not go anywhere. We have nowhere to go. I mean, those, those, were, those, those were powerful scriptures, right? That God was all grown up. Ah, God, I'm not going anywhere if you don't go with me. Because it is all about you and none of me. Oh, I'm not going with you. And then God looked at him and said, You know what? It's okay. I'll make you a God to Pharaoh. And so this is, this is it. This is very profound. So he says, I'll make you a God to Pharaoh. And then I will give Aaron to be your spokesman. And everything you need, I will be everything to you. I'm your shield. I will go with you. God was already psyched. Amen. Amen. Because now he has gotten Moses to depend and submit to him. Yeah. Numbers 12 
meekest man upon the face of the earth. But this meekest man could not enter into the inheritance. How? Because of this sin that brought so easily. The meekest man fell short. It easily besets. It's a weight we have to be yourself. On this faith journey, you cannot walk it tracking baggages of yourself and your flesh and your pride and your ego. You have to, you have to jettison. You have to condemn it. And so Moses got to a point where the children of Israel needed water, and then God told them to speak to the rock. The Bible says they gathered children of Israel and they were angry. Leave it. Of course, he had valid reasons, but he was no longer meek. He was no longer humble. And I know by what he said. I know by what he said. Numbers 20. I believe it's scared. He said, must we provide? That was the point. He lost God. Must we? You are who? Wait, wait, wait. God was like, oh, it's not you and me, right? <laughs> ah, wow. Must we provide water for you? You rebels. Must we? <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Must we? Every time. God said, you didn't hallow me. How you hallow God in my soul? That's how you hallow him. How you hallow him. He entered into pride in that one stroke. Entered into pride, into selfish ambitions, and he wanted to take part of the credit. So, by the time they entered into the inheritance, it will be Moses and God. Sign, right? <laughs> Most we, you and who? Since when did it become you and God? I thought it was all God before. God, what must we do? The red sea is before us. What must we do? Every single day, depending on God for the next strategy. He had to go back, God, what do I do? He had to be always, God, what do I do? How do I submit to you today? How do I submit to you today? Now it's most we. And he didn't even follow the instruction because he had a better way. His anger didn't let him. He walked in the flesh. He didn't walk in faith. And he couldn't please God. And God punished him. Because if God had punished him, it could have become a framework, a pattern that was cast in stone. God had to punish it, rebuke it, so that we all level. And that's not to walk to please God. So he became more sweet. See, God can tell you it is me and you, but you must never say it is you and God. God can say, it's me and Timmy. Timmy, come here. It's, it's me and him. But Timmy was never going to say, God, it's me and you, God. God. No. It's the sword of God and Gideon. It's not Gideon that will say it. It's God that will say it. It's God that will show you and say, come, come. It's okay. It's all right. Come and practice my glory. It's not you that will say, God, it's now me and you. Because, you see, it's not the same thing. God and you, you are God. It's not the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. Who is talking? Is it you or him? If it's him, it's okay. If it's you, it's not okay. You must never say, must we? Must we give you what? So he messed it up and got punished him. He didn't enter into that land. Of course, God rescued him. Because the devil was going to be on the basis of that, arresting for his soul. And an angel had to come and wrestle and rebuke the devil, right? In the name of the Lord. And that was how Moses was delivered. See how dangerous Christ can be. See how dangerous selfishness. This is the meekest man upon the face of the earth. Numbers 12. Meekest. How did he get there? Because the sin does so easily. He said. It does so easily. Then Elijah. Praise God. Please, I'll, I'll need about 10 more minutes. Is that fine? Yes, sir. Then Elijah. 
He was referenced in James chapter 3. We learned about prayer from Elijah. This guy had powers. Bible talks about him that he didn't come see. He is like Melchizedek. He just happened on the scene. No father, no mother, no origin. No? Elijah the taste boy is here. <laughs> it will not rain for three and a half years. And so it was. Elijah was powerful. Elijah killed 800 prophets of Baal in one day by his own sword. 800 men. <laughs> 800 prophets of Baal in one day. Years ago, but Jezebel has threatened me. I'm not better than my father. 
No, no, because he actually thought he was better than his father. I'm not better than my father. Oh, this girl will kill me. I know that I'm the girl to run. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. And this, and and he just saw only himself. Only himself. The same man that was powerful enough to disrupt geometrics, to disrupt weather conditions, to disrupt stuff beyond humans. He disrupted the, the cosmos for three and a half years. One man. Then he's scared of a, a note from a woman. Who, if she really met it, she could have just come and killed rather than threatened. If I can kill you, I'll just kill you. Why do I have to threaten to kill you before killing you? If I really want to kill you, I'll just kill you now. But she really couldn't. But the threat did the work it was intended to. It made him to see how vulnerable he was. Because in the first place, he put himself first. And he said, I'm the only one. I'm alone. And God said, I can't leave you again. I can't leave you again. You can't walk in faith anymore. You have to leave now. So guess what? Anoint Hazael, king over Syria. Anoint Jehu, king over Israel. Anoint Elisha in your stead. You're done. And see what Elijah did. He goes ahead and just anoints Elisha. Because he's, he's done. He can't be lifted again. He can't be used. He's now heavy. His flesh has overtaken him. His weight is too much. His sin is too, so evident. God cannot lift him. So God could not use him. And so this guy was too much in order to even leave the sin. He just anointed his successor and left. He didn't bother about Isaiah. He didn't bother about you. Because God, God gave him a strategy. He says, if they escape the sword of Isaiah, they will not escape the sword of Jehu. If they escape Jehu, they will escape the sword of... You know, from that scripture, management consultation gets some inspiration. Because that, that's... Plan A to C, right? Yeah. Anyway, so, um, Jehu, nothing, as I have nothing, he anointed Elijah and he runs away in a chariot. <laughs> <laughs> he runs away in a chariot. And these guys didn't learn it until Matthew 17. Let's go to Matthew 17. Wow. That's what you get around. Matthew 17. Matthew 17. Matthew 17, verse 1. Matthew 17, verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brothers, and bringeth them up in a high mountain, in a high mountain, and high mountain, pass up this, is that right? <laughs> Thank you, sir. A high mountain, verse 2. <laughs> and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun. Oh, God, God, so many times an endeavored man. Spake a time passed through the prophets. But in this last day, he's spoken to us. Ooh, by his son, whom he hath appointed here all things. By whom also in the world? He bring the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. So God only speaks through Christ now. Yeah. <clears throat> only, only, only through Christ. And so his face did shine, transfigured. And his raiment was white as light. Just juxtapose this with Hebrews 1 to bless you real good. Verse 3, and behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah, the two institutions of the Torah. They are come to learn the lesson they didn't pick up in the Old Testament. Talking with him, verse 4, and Bible says, then answered Peter, he's always too forward. And, and answered him, Lord, it is good, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us have here three tabernacles, three what? You want to put. 
Elijah, Moses, and Jesus in the same bracket? Three tabernacles for who and who and who? Bible says, let us make here three tabernacles. One for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And he thought he was saying something spiritual. <laughs> While he spake, God interrupted him. You don't say that. While he spake, beyond a break out. That was the it was the of Peter that God spoke. <laughs> While he spake, behold a broad cloud, overshadowed them and behold a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is different from Moses and Elijah. This is my beloved son, in whom I will be. Hear him! Both you, Moses, and you, Elijah, hear him! He pleases me, he walks by faith. He pleases me. He pleases me. In whom I will please. Hear ye him. God interrupted Peter. Right then, then in his tracks. Don't say that. Three tabernacles for who? You 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 want to just you want to lump Jesus, Moses, Elijah in the same bracket, in the same basket? No. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Can somebody shout only Jesus? Only Jesus! And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were so afraid. Verse 7. Bible says, And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. Verse 8. I like this part. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man. They saw no man. When you lift up your eyes, do you see a man? Or do you, do you see Jesus? Looking unto Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. They saw no man, said Jesus. Oh, I like it. They didn't see Moses. They didn't see Elijah. Because, you see, he has preeminence. The eminence of Moses and Elijah had been subsumed under him. He alone was seen. Because he alone is worthy to be seen. No other person should be seen but him. Not even you. You lift up your eyes and you see him alone. They saw no man. Save Jesus. Because Elijah and Moses, they thought they were eminent. Oh, but when they came to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, the Bible talks about this in Hebrews chapter 1, that he only speaks through him now. He is the presence of his glory, the express image of his person, upon all things by the word of his power. He speaks through us, not through those prophets of old anymore, but through Jesus. And so Moses and Elijah have to come and witness it, the coronation. I speak through this guy alone now. And after now, here he and while Peter was still trying to do forward, trying to organize a tabernacle for three of them, the Bible says, while he had spoke, I like that. God, they are marking land. Don't say that. No three tabernacles anywhere. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. This faith walk is an impossible walk without him. Only him. How you lay aside the weight and the sin that not easily beset is by looking at him. The author and the finisher of our faith. Don't God. And uh, it's a prayer of consecration. But Lord, help me not to beset myself. Because see, that sin that the toys in the beset is you. That sin is pride. That sin is your ego. That sin is yourself, your flesh. Help me, Lord, to walk that faith. Help me, Lord, to please you. Help me, Lord, to submit to you. Help me, Lord, to live a humble life. Help me, Lord, to continue to submit to your righteousness. Help me to see Jesus on me. Help me to see Jesus only. That's how to defeat. That's how to run the race set before us. Oh, looking unto Jesus. That's how to run the race set 
a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Parpoint Tribe.